HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Cutting the Curd is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American international style and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country? For more information, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. I'm Chris Kuzmi. And I'm Mary Izette. From Fomentabody. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd. This is your host, Greg Blaze. Today with me in the studio, I have Charlotte Kamen. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, Greg. Uh, Charlotte is one of the owners and the lead cheesemonger of the Bedford Cheese Shop uh, with a couple locations um, in the five boroughs. And also in the booth with me today, I have Matt Rubiner co-hosting. Uh, welcome back, Matt. Heckling. <laughs> Matt is the uh, is a proprietor and head cheesemonger at Rubiner's in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. Well, with those intros out of the way, um, I said I have Charlotte Kamen today. Um, today's episode is called Growing Your Cheese Shop, and uh, Charlotte is, uh, is an independent cheese shop owner who uh, has a really interesting path and owns and runs one of the best stores in America um, doing what they do. So um, the Bedford Cheese Shop is a, a little place that started in uh, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, in a supply closet and now has blossomed into something uh, much, much different than that. Um, so welcome, Charlotte. And, oh, thank uh, you. Thank you. Congrats on uh, being such a such a great cheesemonger. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> so I was wondering if um, if you could tell us um, a little bit about the history of, uh, of the Bedford Cheese Shop, uh, where it started, and... Uh, where it's headed, I guess. Sure. Um, as you said, we uh, started in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Uh, we opened up in 2003, in February, to be precise. Um, and it really was just born out of the concept of my two partners, both gentlemen named Jason, our family guys who lived in the neighborhood and really believed in the neighborhood. And, they're and both like, named Jason? They're both named Jason. Oh, I had no idea. It's super confusing for me. Um, <laughs> And they both really just liked the concept of, like, an old-world cheese shop. And they believed in the neighborhood. They believed in what we were doing. They don't really know much about cheese. So it began, as you said, as the um, excuse to expand what was then the Verb Cafe's storage facility. Yeah, well, the, the cheese shop started in uh, a strip of uh, of retail strip in Brooklyn that is now 
just teeming with businesses. Uh, it's yes. on Bedford Avenue uh, in the, the north part of Bedford Avenue. Yeah, uh, north side. North mm-hmm. side of Williamsburg, which is uh, just a, a haven for people spending money <laughs> on a retail it's level. That's true. That's true. But uh, when the store Street started... literally paved with gold. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you before that? Where did you get your chops? Where did I get my chops? I, I worked at a Whole Foods back in California when really? I was a wee lass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Years ago. Where did... Uh, how many years did you work for Whole Foods? Uh, in total, I think I worked for them for seven years. I, I started know. in a bakery juice bar and then I uh, moved I, on over to no the idea. specialty. This no is why idea. we're here today, so you can <laughs> learn about me. <laughs> so the cheese shop, <clears throat> the Bedford cheese shop, did start because I worked there with Charlotte um, in two thousand and three. I vaguely remember <laughs> way back in the days. <clears throat> I believe it was located on uh, Bedford and North Fourth in the back of a cafe. Um, it's in a space that's affectionately called the Mini Mall. Sure, and it felt very much so like a halfway house for. Heroin users. It was at the time. It, it was, was pretty. Yeah. It was pretty crusty in there. I remember. It hasn't changed much. <laughs> but the, the actual space, the communal space of the mini mall, the except sh- rents have increased. What do you? Um, so in the beginning, uh, when you first opened up, um, you were definitely. Um, and Charlotte, I want to. I want to mention um, of that shop was, I believe, the first employee. Charlotte didn't start out as the as the proprietor. She started no. out as the first employee. I was a punk kid. Who, who knew how to handle cheese. Was. <laughs> I am now an older punk kid who still knows how to handle cheese. Um, and the original buyer was a gentleman named Frank Shuck, who came way of Murray's. And he was um, a buyer, manager, lead monger. And I think he was there for maybe two years. But he was my original boss. And then the Jasons have never been really um, super present in the running of the company. They kind of come in and out, but... They were the uh, they were the original investors, correct? They are the investors and the and the concept behind it. So you're um, you're a sweat equity all the way. I am. I am just one big old sweat equity. <laughs> um, it's interesting. Uh, so from that in the beginning, uh, was might have been a little bit touch and go. Um, but what were you? What would you say in the beginning? What were the things that kept the shop going? At that time in 2003 in New York, there wasn't a lot of options as far as cheese shops were concerned. I think outside of Murray's and Fairway and ones that were attached to grocery stores, we were one of the first cheese-specific retail stores, like an actual old-school European cheese shop that opened up. And we opened up in a neighborhood that at that time was very artistic and European and kind of um, held a lot of potential. Um and so, yeah, I think that we, we got a lot of respect in the very beginning because we were handling cheese as well and we had a good selection. And the fact that I think it was pretty ballsy to open up in a, sure. a little like 200 square foot stall in the back of a mall. But it's interesting you say that you were the first, but actually you were part of like a rebirth of those sort of stores, correct? At that time, there weren't a lot of options. Now there's quite a few options. Sure. There. You have a large collection of weird cho- or weird uh, German cookies. It's true. How do you explain that? Mein Kampf. No, I, I, my philosophy of curating our products is that I really like the fact that food can kind of transform you and take you back to different places. And I get off on the fact that food can bring you back to childhood memories. And the fact that we were in a community that had a lot of European um, residents made it fun and easy to have an eclectic mix like you know Heinz baked beans or 
you know, cinnamon German stars for the Christmas time and stuff like that. I really just like food, so any kind of excuse that I could bring in random things and then the fact that somebody would buy it was pretty awesome. Has it changed considerably? Like, what's the, How's the state of the art changed? The state of the art in... You know, of, the, of your cheese collection in your, since you opened Well, in the very beginning, there was... In the very beginning, Frank kind of filled the store up with a lot of just stuff. Like, it, fromage d'affinois and mimulette and kind of... Industrial cheeses. Industrial factory-produced cheeses. Um, and then about a year, I think, a little over a year into it, Greg stepped in um, as kind of taking over the buying position from Frank. Frank was getting phased out to move his family out west. Um, and Greg took over the buying, and together we kind of went through the case and phased out the more factory-produced products and... At that time, as you know, Matt and Greg, it was a lot easier to find and bring in kind of the more, quote-unquote, not super legal stuff. <laughs> so um, we smuggled in goods. We smuggled uh, in good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to talk to you because you are, have such a successful model. We did start in the back of that, that place in the yeah. Verb, and there was, some, there was some pedestrian cheese in there. And uh, we grew out of that pretty quickly, um, as we both grew. I feel yeah, like sure. uh, one of the one of the best things about um, uh, one of the reasons why I like the Bedford Cheese Shop is because I was a little bit a part of it, and I definitely was a part of uh, working with you as you grew. We did work together with the business, though. It's true. You know? So you lasted in that mini mall with Fromage Dauphinois mm-hmm. through Frank Shuck and Greg Blaze, and then yeah. after Frank Shuck and Greg Blaze were summarily. We were, we, were, we were exercised from the business. Then the business moved out of that, of yeah. that mall so into what, this, to a storefront on Bedford Avenue. What was the biggest reason for you? What, what, what made you able to do that? What motivated me to do it or what made what us made able? What made it possible? So we, for, were doing, we were doing well. The fact that we, um, we had customers that would seek us out in the back of this like really funky, skanky mini mall. They would walk through this kind of, you know, littered hallway of junkies and baby strollers to find us <laughs> yeah. in the back. Sure. Um, that we were like, oh, well, this is, we're, we're onto something. And then came, you know, I had reached kind of my ceiling. I had, I had started as just a monger on the counter. And the people that I was learning from had left. And so I had went to the Jasons and was like, you know, it's time for us to grow as a company or I need to continue to grow as a monger. And so that was the motivation at that point, and it was all kind of karmic, um, that the, the bookstore that was on the corner of Bedford and North Forth had gone under. The landlords of that building were these kind of two old hippies that had really believed in the neighborhood as well and wanted to see a small independent store go into it and not like a Jamba Juice or something like that. Sure, and that, that area um, amongst a lot of areas like... Uh, they fight against uh, they fight against chain stores right. uh, coming in. I I just want to make I just you know as a, a Matt you're also a proprietor of, I a, am. of a cheese shop. Yeah, and uh, I mean both of you are are successful. Uh, your shops exist. <laughs> well, Matt is uh, Matt is consistently <laughs> always putting out a tire fire uh, <laughs> in Massachusetts. He has a different kind of business. Um, I see more seasonal business. Whereas the the shop on Bedford Avenue. And now at Irving um, have grown into, uh, you know, their their year round businesses as most are. But New York w- is not really a seasonal specific. No, people city. are packed in here, ready to spend no matter what. Yeah, people come around. Uh, it's New York. 
Maybe you should move down to New York. Matt has a longing in his eyes as I'm saying this. Oh, people. You said something something interesting that I thought was... Well, you always do. Well, I try. Um, So you mentioned that one of the reasons why you were able to move out of the uh, why, one of the reasons why your shop was successful, and then one of the, that's why I wanted to talk to you because mm-hmm. there are a lot of cheese shops now, mm-hmm. uh, but I feel like a lot of them um, will be what they are and will stay what they are. But you managed to grow your business. I am not the type of person that could just sustain in the same environment. If sure. I if you have as a shop owner and Matt, I'm sure you've experienced this. When you have really good people that are working for you, you want to see them grow. You want to be able to offer them more. And the only way you can offer them more is to grow the company. And so it really was born out of a concept, not just for myself, but these people that were you know, skilled and committed and giving me a lot of their attention and creativity that I wanted to give back to them and kind of, you don't have to hit a ceiling. Well, that makes, that actually is going to lead me right into my next question and it's, it's for both it's of you up just for you my friend <laughs> um, so you had the good products you got the good products and that was great yeah um, and that's more as i know as a cheesemonger it's almost as a cheesemonger it's more like you are getting the stuff the customers are like a byproduct of you wanting the good stuff for yourself right. or that's how i look at it because mm-hmm. i'm selfish but the the thing that maybe you're saying is that the ability to grow your business is uh is the ability to retain and grow the people yeah absolutely i mean the the amount of turnover and i've heard you do shows before about the new kind of um school cheesemongers that leave their kind of corporate jobs and come in rubiner i know you're a part of that that phase as well (laughs) um that it's not exactly what you think it would be you know i've been doing this for 17 years i'm sure you've been doing this for a long time yeah that it's hey, you can drink now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, I've been drinking <laughs> this whole t- this whole show, this whole time. <laughs> that is a labor of love, and that it's it's a rare breed of people that can accept the physical demands, the extremely low monetary return, and the amount of kind of mental exhaustion that it is dealing with the the public. I feel like every time uh, we've been on so far, everybody just comes back to this. It's just like. This job doesn't pay. It breaks your balls. It hurts yeah. you a lot. It's physically it draining. Don't pay. It does not it pay. It do not pay. And I mean, for you, yeah. I mean, your your family is in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. That's right. Thanks near to that, right. Lee, Massachusetts. Yeah, now there's a buffer yeah. town or two. This is in Matt. Matt yeah. Rubiner, I'm yeah. the proprietor of Rubiners. That's right. Um, of yeah. the same name. And you um, were speaking to me before the show, which I found interesting about how now in your peak time... That I was speaking to you? Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I always find it interesting. Uh, I, have to, I think if I, if I carried a microphone around with me, you'd probably talk to me more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, you're saying you're losing staff. It's hard to find staff for you right it now. Is. I mean, if people told me how hard it would be to staff it and, uh, um, and just how hard refrigeration and HVAC maintenance would be, never would have done it. I mean, it's, it's, uh, those are my headaches. Fridge, yeah. Fridges and people and people. <laughs> you, it's the same for you. They're they're both challenges for sure. I feel like in another life I should have gone back and learned a lot more about HVAC and should have paid attention in HVAC class. God. So that's a, a key for everybody that wanted to own their own uh, their own cheese shop. Um, you can put a bunch of good cheese in there, and you can stick it in a refrigerator that may or may not work. And then you have to find people that may or may not want to work for you long term. At uh, varying wages, 
to sell the stuff that you've worked so hard to find and uh, do it, you know, consistently for you. We uh, also have a, I mean, in our store, we just have a, in our community, where there's such a tiny labor pool. I mean, it's a town of 7,500 surrounded by towns that are smaller than that, and it's just tough, and it's essentially transient. It's like people who grow up there want to get out, people who are there maybe just passing through. Um, it's tough to to maintain any continuity. We've had some people who've been with us for a long time. And are but are they hard. cheesemongers? It's interesting. So you have a cheese shop, and you all are obviously you're the cheesemongers, but how many cheesemongers do you employ, and how important is that to the to the growth of your shop, that everybody be on the level to be a cheesemonger. You have to be a cheesemonger to work at Bedford Cheese. I mean, there's if you don't come already trained as a cheesemonger, you will be within that first year. Yeah, same here. Everybody works the floor. Yeah. Oh. And that's and is that is that the most important um, is is that the most important is that the big the biggest key to your shop being successful is that? Is what? Is you training people how to be cheesemongers on the level that you are? It, it takes a, I mean, that's a huge part of it for sure, but that's not all of it. I mean, a lot of it is <clears throat> there's natural abilities in everybody and working in customer service where in a small store there's a million things happening at once. You need to be able to multitask and you need to be able to prioritize really quickly. And so there's common sense that you can't teach. And then there's cheese care and cheese knowledge and knife skills and all that other stuff that you can. And again, we're talking to, to Charlotte uh, Kamen, who is a proprietor of not only one now, but two cheese shops, um, uh, one in Brooklyn and one in Irving Place, Manhattan. Yeah, Gramercy, that name Gramercy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so what, was, what made you able to get to the second shop? It was the same motivation out of the first, that it was kind of like, we've hit the ceiling. We've, you know, we've spent the last, I don't know, what, five years it was, building Bedford's Avenue's location, the new one, which is now not new, um, and got that running and got that successful, and it was kind of like, and now it's time to grow. And going back to what I said before, I'd never have wanted to just repeat the same thing. I wouldn't want to open up another Bedford cheese shop you know, cookie cutter replication of the Bedford Avenue store. No, and your your stores for anyone that hasn't been in them are are are, are very different from one another. They are the similar vibe. We try to you know make sure that and that's your brand. That's our brand, and it's also just the energy of what we've created. At what point did you know you were going to create a brand of the Bedford Cheese Shop? Um. I think probably when we started talking about opening up the second store and when I was having a conversation with my partners at that time saying that I didn't want to open up just the second store, that I wanted it to have caves and I wanted a classroom and I wanted, you know, I wanted room to grow and expand more. That part of me was um, knowing that I needed to stay grounded in our brand identity and what we believed in as we were taking on this kind of larger, more quote unquote corporate move of expansion did cool. you uh did, sorry greg did, did you uh um know that's kind of where in manhattan you wanted to be or was there just a space available I, manhattan always amazes me in how neighborhoodly so it big. seems to, it's, it's so, just so big, large but it has so much in it, it is a concrete jungle and it seems to behave in, in such a <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> that's fantastic so um but it's, it no, seems that, so neighborhoodly and yes. i never know how you know, one store can be three blocks from another, and then both uh, yeah, both survive. Like both say, be Greg's having their doors open. Store, yeah. Well, Greg's store is is a is a like a beast. It's not just a store; it's like a yeah. Epcot center of food and um, 
people. It's many things to many people. It is. Mm-hmm. I, it would be hard to really define Italy and what it does. Um, but for me, I like the idea. I like the energy that that neighborhood, Gramercy, felt like a real neighborhood. And originally we had looked and actually signed on a space that was on Broadway literally two blocks down from yeah. Italy. Um, and I was had become kind of fallen in love with that space because I was seeing the potential of what we could do creatively and kind of aesthetically. And then that fell through because the landlord was just just a pain to was deal just with. Just a landlord. Was just a New York City landlord. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, guys, we're gonna we're gonna have to take a quick break. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, but, you did. Um, okay. I, I always do. Yeah. Um, but um, when we come back, we will talk more with Matt Rubiner and Charlotte Kamen here on Cutting the. Sherry Bayer, host of All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This summer, Heritage Radio Network is turning five. Since our launch in 2009, we've continued to bring you food and culture content like nobody else. We need your help. HeritageRadioNetwork.org is a passionate grassroots, action-oriented, nonprofit organization. That means we depend on your support from listeners like you to keep us alive. If you love what you hear on Heritage Radio Network, Visit our website and become a member today. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support. The Dairy Farm families of Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board are proud to underwrite Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Wisconsin cheeses have an illustrious heritage of more than 170 years of quality and craftsmanship. During this long and rich history, the art and science of cheesemaking have been captured in time-honored traditions that produce cheese varieties of unsurpassed excellence. Today, Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit www.eatwisconsincheese.com. Hi, I'm Reggie Watts, and you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd, live on the Heritage Radio Network. Again, I'm in the booth today with uh, Charlotte Kamen, co-owner of Bedford Cheese Shop. Hi, Charlotte. Hello, guys. And Matt Rubiner of mm-hmm. Rubiner's. Great Barrington, Massachusetts. Great Barrington, Massachusetts. Uh, right before the break, uh, you you were uh, you were talking about um, the neighborhoods in New York City, and this is you're in the third sort of stage of growth of your business. Uh, initially, you went through the we're working out of a, a utility closet in the back of a cafe to we're going to go out to a storefront um, and see if we can get a standalone business on the street at Bedford Avenue. And mm-hmm. you, you outgrew that personally and professionally. Yeah. And then you wanted a bigger store. Um, and it wasn't just a larger store. It was more uh, departments and opportunities. You I wanted think. a more well-rounded business. I wanted more avenues for people to grow in. Sure. And that's a part of your, of your brand. It's a part of my brand. And um, I think that's interesting <laughs> as, a, as a small business owner, a cheese shop owner specifically. And uh, why I wanted to, to talk to you because 
It seems like to me that people do open up a lot of cheese shops, but then they just stay as cheese shops. But you've grown yours, and so now you have a larger business in Gramercy, um, bordering on the Flatiron, where I live in my beast of a cheese shop, Uh (laughs) which isn't a cheese shop at all, but a large large food entity. And... um, what are the what are the new challenges for you to build that brand now? Well, um, the beginning was the same as Bedford Avenue. Even though we moved out of the mall onto a central visible location, it's about uh, awareness of where you are and what you do. We don't pay for advertisements or PR or any of that stuff. So the fact that it was a really charming neighborhood in Gramercy on Irving between 18th and 19th, just two blocks away from the park, um, it still wasn't highly visible for the tourism aspect of New York. Um, and it really is more people who are from New York that take that as a like, a side way to circumvent Third Avenue and Union Square. So it, it's a challenge of people kind of knowing who we are and what we do. Do you have a... do? You, I mean, how different are the clientele? Do you have to train people differently to for the, we have, the Williamsburg crowd versus the... Versus they, they're the very different. Crowd? They're yeah. very different in a lot of ways, and they're pretty similar in, in some ways as well. All of our mongers are offered to work in both locations. We want there to be... Airbrush out the tattoos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, man, it's Brooklyn. you got to bring it. Um, that we want there to be a continuity, that the, we are one company. Even though we have two locations, we're not two fractured shops were one growing business so the neighborhood of Gramercy the clientele reflects more what the clientele of Bedford was 10 years ago when it was way more neighborhoody and it still is a lot on the weekend weekdays but then on the weekends you get this huge influx of food tourism and, and tourism in general and because we're situated right on the corner in kind of a more populated neighborhood on the north side that it gets inundated. Mm, so I have a lot of yeah, humans. They're roving all over the place. <laughs> Would you say that one of the challenges to maintaining your brand, because your brand is quality, is it, quality it's and part service. part of it, for sure. Um, and, and is one of the challenges to keep up that quality over two stores? The It's actually made it easier in a lot of ways because so? we'll split product between the two stores. So it's about higher rotation. And now that we have three aging facilities at the Irving Place location, that we can really care for the cheeses the way they need to be cared for. Do you think for. it's super important for cheese shops to have their own facility to care for cheese? No, I think they just need to be paying attention to their cheese care. So then why do you have one? Because we are growing, and, and I, to buy for two stores and to house for two stores, as you know, we import a, a lot of our products that when you import, it does not make sense to bring in small amounts. So as you get bigger, you change the way you purchase things. Well, we are importing already at Bedford Avenue. So it's changed it how we actually um, dole out the product more than it's how we've purchased the product. So that's an interesting uh, point to have a to have a cheese cave because I feel like a lot of people just want a cheese cave. And they're uh, so cool. They're awesome. I mean they're the opposite of a headache. Most expensive refrigerators to rot food I've ever worked yeah. with in my <laughs> life. But um, it's interesting that you say that because there is a real purpose to the cheese cave because then you can bring in things that are young and curate them yourselves. Correct. Yeah. That's like good. aging. Like aging. Just like aging something. Could you, do you have like a chamber to age cheesemongers as well? Some sort of hyperbaric No, we chamber? like to keep them young. <laughs> you like to keep, yeah. keep them young? <laughs> young and tender. I don't know, man. I don't know. That's, that's uh, a different kind of branding. Um, Matt, I, you have a, 
you're in your, in your shop. So Charlotte, you you have other avenues to spread the product around. And I know Matt uh, attached to uh, Rubiners, you have a cafe. Um, does yeah. that help you? Um, and was that business born out of the cheese shop, or did they come together? And how do they? They work came together? Started together. In fact, today is the tenth year anniversary. Oh, happy, happy birthday anniversary. of the cafe! Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Well, 10 um, years is a long time to be open. That means a whole decade. That yeah. you are, uh, you are doing all right. Don't get no easier. Yeah, I mean, the cafe was there just out of fear that what we were trying to do, where we were trying to do, because we, we picked where we were, um, you know, despite the clearly stated, you know, business projections that suggested that a, a base of clientele would be important for the running of the business. You'd um, think. And we disregarded that because it was so damn beautiful, and we wanted to be, you know, something like among the producers that uh, – you know the things that we're selling, and it was just this this dream of ours to be up in the hills like that. But uh, we opened the cafe to you know help move stock to be a showcase for the products that we have in the store, and to to just balance out the business cycle that we knew would be brutal. You know, we nobody's coming in to buy cheese at eight in the morning, but they are buying coffee, and nobody's coming into the cheese shop on a March Wednesday or. Or March any day for that matter, but you know the, in Great Barrington, in Great, Massachusetts, in, yeah, or Southern Berkshire County, and in, 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 you know we're able we're able to create those you know addictions in the cafe to keep them coming. Of course, get them hooked on the cafe, day, um, and it bails out. Yeah. You know, it, it it helps smooth things out for us in the store. I mean, any retailer, yeah, your your biggest challenge is uh, is location. I mean, in that in any I've business, heard that somewhere. you know, I mean, obviously, but um. For a cheese shop specifically, it would seem, um, especially for, for both of you, um, you don't you did not have large outside investors that came in. So every time you choose to grow your business, you need to take that money out of the same pool of resources that are keeping the other two afloat. And, and that's Correct. like, I mean, that's but that's like, yeah, it's it's easy for you. You understand that, but I don't know if a lot of people who own businesses get that. Yeah, yeah, we ain't get that. <laughs> I mean, you so, could. You so could. You, you started out with a tiny retail shop. You moved into a bigger retail shop. Now you've got another retail shop, and you've got classrooms and your own aging facility. Yep. And uh, you've got um, mail order and catering and everything. Know, a little bit of prepared food. and yeah. Be- Because you realize that as you grow, you need more money to grow. It helps, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just like staying open, too. It helps that. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, there are slow times in New York City. Yeah. Um, and you're widely known in the business as, uh, as having the straightest signs of any cheese store in America. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, what's that all about? It's which, called OCD. Which is a remarkable thing. <laughs> it's funny. The signs are very straight in the Bedford Cheese Shop. Yeah. But then what's written on them is decidedly Not crooked straight. and salacious. Yes. <laughs> oh, the oxymoron of it all. <laughs> I'd like to talk for you. That's a great thing. Just for, for a second about the signs in the Bedford Cheese Shop. Because uh, they started out as one thing. Mm-hmm. And they've... Have they grown into something? Would you ever consider changing the way you you uh, you advertise your cheese, or is that just very much a part of your uh, brand? It would just be so, uh, just such a challenge to go back and write signs for like over four hundred cheeses. It's just not going to happen. It like it started. It already started unraveling, and there's no way to change it now. It's kind of like in the middle of 
You can't stop a speeding train. So the Bedford Cheese Shop um, has, has some of the most creative uh, sign descriptions. I feel like when I worked there and we were in the mini mall that uh, we could get away with a lot more profanity and really, you know. You would think that, but it's really, it just that's one of the biggest things that people would tell me when we were opening up the, the New York location was like, I mean, that's so great. Congratulations. You know you're going to have to change the signs. And I heard that over and over you again. You can't say bukkake in grammar. <laughs> you can't say bukkake <laughs> Yeah. And um, although several films of that nature are filmed, it's true in on the location basement, in that actually, park yeah. and in the Bedford Cheese Shop, good stuff. Yeah. Um, but actually, it was quite the opposite. I mean, it's they're lighthearted. They're meant to be kind of take the intimidation factor. This is food that was born. This is peasant food, and it's yeah. presented in a very kind of gallery esque environment to people who perceive it as like a pretentious, alienating thing. Um, and it's our way of breaking down that intimidation factor that this should be fun. We're eating. We're enjoying each other. This is born out of somebody able to survive, you know, a farmer being able to survive. Yeah, we're sticking with pretentious and alienating. Yeah. Really? That's a good, that's a good one. And that is one of those pretentious and alienating signs in the cheese business. What does it say? Like, if you don't know this cheese, you don't deserve to taste you it. Dumbass. Leave us your money at the door and get out. But please buy this cheese. No, I'm kidding, of course. Um, Our signs are very welcoming, calming. No, it's a, it's a. They're like babbling brooks in the sound of whales. <laughs> They're exactly like babbling brooks. Babbling brooks. Babbling brooks. Okay. <laughs> Matt's lost his mind, but that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. Um, is um is that a big part? And it's interesting because branding is is big. And yeah, you brought up branding a bunch of times. Well, here. it's interesting to me because I work for a huge brand, and yes. I feel like when you work for a huge brand. The, the quality gets lost sometimes. I don't think it has in the area I work for. Of course not. Uh, but I, it could easily because you you could rest on your laurel, the laurels of your brand if it's right. well known enough. You know, no no press is bad press in, this, in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, but for you, your brand gets bigger, but the quality gets maintained. So what's the future? What's the next step for the Bedford Cheese Shop? To continue you? to grow, really. <clears throat> that for me, I see a lot of potential. Um, you know, I could see Bedford Cheese Shops all over the country if we had mongers who were dedicated and present and they're like, I want to move back to, I don't know. Washington State and I really want to continue to do this I want to open up a cheese shop because I think a lot of people have that misconception that opening up a cheese shop is this really easy profitable thing that you know you can kind of stumble along and figure it out but really it's difficult and the more there's a community or resources behind it the more chance it has to be you know successful absolutely and like wine bars and all that stuff to continue to grow Mm. are you going to open up a wine bar? I am I think so you're going to have pornographic signs and descriptions on your menu? I, I probably will. It'll probably just be an old, like, we magazine will be, will be the menu. Right on. You can point to a different position and be like, I'd like that. And Matt, a salad. I never knew how to pronounce that as a kid. <laughs> Maddie, what's, uh, what's the future of uh, Rubiners? Now we're just trying to, I mean, we're just still trying to consolidate. You know, we're, we're the, the, the business cycle is just brutal the seasonality that you were talking about before and we're, we're still trying to sort out the that balancing of the season you know we uh right now is our full-on full-on busy time and it's just easy it's easy business and christmas is easy business but january through may and blizzards is difficult business so whether that means expansion um uh you know to other places or like developing a like uh you know whatever neighborhoods next to grammar <laughs> <laughs> and uh um uh, 
But we you know, hey, all you, of our clients, our, the core of our clientele is when they're not uh, when they're not up here, they're down in your joint. So. Right. Not that we're going to move down to here, but uh, you know, and and uh, um, you know, expanding the reach of our brand um, beyond the Berkshires, but but mostly to get people to the Berkshires or when they get to the Berkshires to know that we're there. Um, sure. And to try to also, it, the, the, one of the most difficult parts of our business is that it is just lots of little towns. And we're right where Connecticut and uh, and uh, Columbia County, New York, and Dutchess County, New York, and Berkshire County, Massachusetts all come together within 15, 20 miles. So one of the big challenges we have is to knit together that clientele because there's enough out there if we can pull them all together. But, uh, you know, it's a long drive. Well, for those of you who haven't made it, you should uh, go up to Great Barrington, Massachusetts. It's an awesome spot, and there's a great cheese shop and restaurant there called Rubiner's. And for those of you who don't know the Bedford Cheese Shop, I'm sure you will, the 10 or 12 of you out there who don't know what it is. Uh, I want to thank both of you guys, Matt Rubiner and Charlotte Kamen, for coming on today. And thanks, guys, for listening to another episode of Cutting the Curd. We'll be back next week on Live on the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Thanks. I didn't want to have the last word. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.